0: Welcome to Weapon of Choice, a podcast where creatives across mediums give us insight into the weaponry of their art. Each episode you'll be hearing an interview with an artist who uses their art as a weapon of choice for social change and disruption, visibility and justice, cultural critique and resistance, among other things that ignite social consciousness and community action. These artists will tell us about their journeys toward the battles they are fighting, how they design, sharpen, and develop their artistic weaponry to strike a blow against injustice in the world.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to episode four of season two. The summer has officially kicked off, and we just got back from trotting around the coast. We were in LA a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Where else did we go, Tommy?
0: Hit up New York
1: City. New York City. Remember that Pace
0: Picante commercial from back from the 90s? <laughs> anyway, uh, we were in New York City, y'all, and uh, we loved it. We loved our time in New York and L.A. We were coast to coast trying to reach artists and talk to artists, and we did just that. And so there's more of that to come. You just got to stay tuned. It's been a, It's been a good July. We're going to release a bunch of episodes for your ears. And uh, all of them are amazing because these guests and artists we see out are uh, gracious enough to agree to come on our show, our little old show. That's right. And so we're having a great time, and we're, uh, we're very grateful that we're able to provide this content for you, and we hope you keep tuning in.
1: So make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Go to iTunes, go to wherever you get your podcast. hit that subscribe button we've got some dope shit coming at you right now.
0: That's right, that little purple app called Apple Podcasts on your iPhone. It comes with the iPhone. Don't put it in one of the little box apps. Have that in the regular single solitary on its own app. Click it, subscribe to Weapon of Choice Podcast. Not only that, please give it five star rating and a review. I know you got time. I know you got time to leave a review. It really helps us grow. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Andrew and I appreciate your support and your love and we just want to keep growing. We want to grow with you. And we need you to help us grow. And if you're not on Apple platforms, a great way to listen to us is on SoundCloud because you can comment, you can listen, you can comment while you're listening. Um, So leave comments about the episodes that you're loving there. Um, All else fails, you find it wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on Special Menu Productions. You can find us on SpecialMenuProductions.com. You might find a couple little treats, film treats, that is, while you're there.
1: And who do we got today?
0: Jasmine Boda author of the amazing book Mothering Through Pain, Suffering and Silence, a collection of stories from survivors. She's also the founder of Ubuntu Minneapolis LLC, a parenting, breastfeeding and literacy initiative in Minneapolis that seeks to support, uplift and encourage parents to parent more consciously and take pride in shaping their child's brain. She's also a Black revolutionary doula and she does her thing and she changes lives and she inspires a whole lot of people. She's an amazing mother amazing educator, breastfeeding advocate, dope ass doula, and her soul will rock you. And what she has to say is nothing but the truth. Get ready, y'all.
2: Peace, love, liberation, everyone. I am Jasmine Boda. I am a quote unquote, retired educator out of the school system. And now I am a a, a radical revolutionary doula. (laughs) Um, So I help women have natural births um, and coach around the importance of breastfeeding, um, specifically black children and um, how that's a revolutionary act. And I am the author of a book called Mothering Through Pain and Suffering in Silence.
0: Jasmine, welcome to Weapon of Choice podcast. We're we're glad you're here.
2: Yes. Thank you for having me. It's always good to have conversations with new people about stuff I care about.
1: What is your weapon of choice and what battles are you fighting?
2: I would say it is invoking the power of the influence of being a divine feminine energy. Um, I've been on a mission to awaken a lot of women um, because I believe women are at the center of all things regarding change and transformation. So um, I've been working with a lot of sisters on returning back to our roots and returning back to our divine femininity and just teaching how we have an influence on almost every single aspect of community. And if we really want to change things, women is the way to go.
1: (laughs) when you're going through that process yes. with other women what does that look like what's what do you see happening what changes do you see within yourself or within them
2: yeah so um just living here in america and mm. westernized culture i feel like we have gotten so far away from just our roots and naturally the things that you know have have been placed here in the universe for balance you know you need mm. Regardless of the individual, regardless of, you know, sexual orientation or gender or anything, we have to have balance in terms of masculine and feminine energy. And that can, you know, that looks different in many different spaces. So when I say returning, it is reminding humans or people of, you know, my, my specialty is working with, with women, um, cisgender women, specifically black women, but just you know, working with them to say, like, you have all the answers, you know, mm-hmm. getting back to alchemy, getting back to magic, getting back to um, knowing within self every answer to every question. And the answer is that, you know, we have a strong connection to the universe and we can impact um, things in a way that we have to unlearn some very dysfunctional patterns in order to get there. So a lot of us have been primed to look outside of self and look outside of our village and our community for you know help or answers when it's really just like, you're stressing over this thing that you have the power to manifest change. So it's it's just coaching in that way of You know, breaking down a lot of the layers, breaking down a lot of the toxic um, ways of thinking and saying that your your mind is powerful, your body's powerful, your energy is important and um, you're going to attract what you're putting out there. So if you're putting out inferiority um, vibes, Mm -hmm. um, that's what's going to come back. You know, that's how people are going to see you if you're putting out fucking like magical divine Mm. energy that's how people are gonna see you so um just teaching on that you know teaching a lot of just undoing toxic shit you know that's the best way i could describe it
1: and there's a lot of it (laughs) it's so
2: much everywhere and um our brains i mean just our experience living we're just so saturated with just that belief pattern that forces us or encourages us to be dependent on something else, you know. I mean, cap. I mean, we can get real deep with this, like capitalism, like um, these right. structures that have just been created to break us down and to make us second guess ourselves to get away from our intuition. Um, so I'm really just teaching people how to like not fall into that trap. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, we know that toxic is always toxicity is always looming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even in a moment when we're thriving, we're walking down this street yeah. and we're thriving with our people or community or just even in, in solitude. Mm-hmm. And we know that toxicity is around the corner waiting on us. Right. Like, how do you um, working with with people and specifically black women um, work to prepare you know yourselves for you know, you know, I guess you know we're weapon of choice, so how do we like sometimes it's also armor, right? Yeah. So how do you, you know, like what answers are revealed to you um as you work through this with uh, other women, especially in your doula work?
2: Mm. mm that's a good question. Um, the answers so so basically, you know, people I think we're getting into a space where or a lot of people are just in the space where we are we don't have the mental capacity to continue to you know fight these battles because i think that we fight them on a physical level so i really you know for a lot of of the women that i work with um you know toxic stress is a huge thing in the black community and it's a huge thing that often goes unnoticed because the symptoms and the signs aren't outward you know appearing they are internal and so really bringing consciousness to like the psychological um, aspect of fighting, um, you know, weapon of choice. I think of, you know, we're fighting is a war. And um, so I think getting into a space where removing people from like, yes, the physical is important, but how we're going to like really make change is a spiritual um, awakening and the spiritual um transformation that you'll you'll be unmoved. Like while you're walking and you're preparing yourself, okay, I'm living in this moment and I know that, you know, when I turn the corner or when I walk into this job or when I interact with someone, I know there are gonna be biases. I know there's gonna be racism. There's gonna be oppression. There's gonna be gender shit. And when you get to the point where physically you know you're able you're coaching your body to because that what that is is trauma like it's just a constant state of trauma and it's a constant state of you know when you have toxic stress then you have fight or flight your body is like what the fuck do i do you know do i go this way do i go that way so really just teaching them uh, it sounds simple, but I'm telling you, it's a change, like getting back to roots, like getting back to breathing deeply, getting back to, you know, caring for yourself in a way that allows you to um, meet people on that spiritual level. You know, it's one thing for you to look at me and be a racist and I look in your eye and be like, you don't you don't fucking move me at all. Like there's nothing about you that scares me, that intimidates me. um uh, and and when you when you when you interact with people on a spiritual level like that, it's like you look deep in their soul. Like this shit, this surface level shit that you're trying to fight me on, it's not. Because I know that you know that spiritually that I'm superior. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I'm trying to explain it the best way. So really, just you know, preparing people for. What we're really in, like you can't get bogged down, you can't get um, exhausted because there's no time. Like
0: that's all they're that's all they're hoping for, it,
2: right? And yeah. as parents, you know, as mothers, then you have you have not only ourselves, but then we have little people that we're coaching and that we're building up in a way so they have the stamina to to endure or to overcome. Um, I like overcome better, but to, to not let this place eat, uh, you know, eat us whole. So that's what I do. You
0: use the quote, use the term for yourself, uh, retired educator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Retired educator into sort of transitioning from that into like your remarkable doula work and that Mm -hmm. journey you've been on. Like what was the calling to make this, uh, a pillar in your life's work?
2: Yeah. So education, I mean, the reason why I say retired from that, I mean, I used to be a middle school social studies teacher within that. I existed within a structure that was inherently problematic, that was inherently oppressive, that was restricting, that was, you know, all of these things. And um, I mean, my, the best way to describe it is, you know, I felt like I was the mother of you know, 134 children, Mm -hmm. like, at that time. But when I had my own daughter, um, lights kinda began to to go on that, you know, we could do a lot of work on elementary, middle school, high school level, but the foundation of that child and the conception of that child matters. The the way that we um, groom them throughout those um, important first years of life is going to set the trajectory for, you know, how they interact with the world. So becoming a mother was really what shifted it for me. Like some lights went on and just seeing my daughter through the journey from, you know, the moment that I found out I was pregnant until, you know, giving birth to her naturally um, until, you know, nursing her for three years, um, co- you know, ushering her or or providing space for her to grow. And, you know, feel confident and feel powerful and all of those things. So it's just all, I mean, I'm still a teacher, but I am, I mean, more of like, it's on, it's on our terms. You know, with ed- education, it's kind of like everything, structure, everything is, you know, there, there are these demands. You put test scores, you put, all, you know, all of this other stuff. The influence and the impact that you can have is very small, because um, I will always, ex- I would have always existed within that structure. And no matter, you know, I, I made strides and I made progress. And no matter how much I made, though, it's still like just in a bigger ocean of bullshit you know with doula work it's like I think of it as a two generational approach to like healing from trauma and healing from pain and really reclaiming you know our bodies as black women reclaiming our families reclaiming our children in a way that I mean the best way that I can describe it is just like revolutionary it's just like from the beginning of time when we find out we're pregnant we take this ownership and something shifts like we're used to handing over our children. We're used to doing whatever the doctors say. We're used mm-hmm. to, you know, functioning in this world where we're, we're, we continue to encounter all of these systems and institutions that impact who our children are. When you take birth and you take reclaiming the birthing process for a black woman, um, it can change so much um, on a multi. So you have, you can have three generations that are impacted, you know, the new child, the mother, the mother's mother um, and their parents. And it's just like this ripple effect, you know, that's different than sitting in the classroom with just the children, not really interacting with the parents as much because ideally, I mean, they're going to go home to parents um, and people who are influencing them. So if you're, going back to a place that's making you sick, then it, it, we're not making progress. So starting at home, um, I mean, I use a lot of hashtags, but one of them is like the revolution starts here. Like it starts with with you, and then it starts when you healing yourself and you making sure that you're not passing down toxic stuff to your children. So, I mean, it's kind of like on an epigenetics level. I'm not... I mean, from I have a master's in education, but I don't really. I kind of don't like to make everything academic and intellectual. But I think you know the language of it of of reprogramming and rewriting our DNA is like the the best way to go because um, it's so deeply ingrained that um, only experiences and only um, work on reprogramming is gonna change it. If we just do surface level stuff, then deep down we're still passing the same cycle to our children. And it will come out. Um, I mean, I don't know if you are familiar with, like, epigenetics. But, like, there's some behaviors of, like, people who they never even experience the traumatic event. But they show signs and symptoms of it. You know, it can be a smell or it can be a sound or it can be a way a person looks. So, um, just really coaching people on like what you're experiencing is this? It's a trigger. It's not your. It's not your. Um. Your immediate circumstance is someone in your lineage in your DNA, in your ancestry that has passed on that that feeling. Um, and to once you read you want know, you coach and you prime, you identify the trigger, then when the trigger comes up, you're like, Okay, I know how to deal now I know how to deal with it. Now my body is not responding on a, a physical or even a metaphysical way, mentally I'm I'm handling it. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, um your book, Mothering yeah. Through Pain. Yeah. Um, becoming an author, I mean, I, I remember a couple years ago when it was all but ready and done and you were like you know, wait, the cover art, the woman mm-hmm. needs more afro, and I want the yeah. whole title to be in the afro. Like, yeah. you were so close, and then it, it physically manifested entirely. Right, 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 You know, the book, how did that journey from conception to holding that printed book in your hands feel?
2: Um, that book is my second baby <laughs> <laughs> on all aspects. Um, So it took about a year to compile the stories, do the interviews, really connect with the women um, it was conceived out of just i mean the best way i can describe it is my own pain and my own suffering and trying to make sense of that um so i was working for um teach for america um they're probably gonna i, I dropped their name a lot but that place it is horrible but <laughs> they're probably gonna ca- start catching on once i you know <sighs> give bigger interviews and stuff but it was very it was a toxic experience and I even believe that I went through a space of like having signs and symptoms of postpartum uh, of um, post traumatic like syndrome or something uh, PTSD some type of some something you know And I was, you know, I had just got laid off and I was working, you know, I was the token black person in leadership. And I, you know, even though my title commanded that I made a lot of decisions, there were so many structures in place that wouldn't allow me to make the decisions Mm -hmm. because my decisions would force so much change so fast. Mm -hmm. But in my eyes, like, we don't have time to play. Like, I don't have time to play with black children and black families. And I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to participate in like white supremacist structures that um, keep us comfortable and complacent, you know, make us feel like well-to-do, like, you know, liberals who are mm-hmm. free and who are open to change. But it's really like, no, you really just want to fucking sit in meetings 100% of our time mm-hmm. and philosophize or engage in these philosophical conversations about hypothetically, you know, what would make change. So I was leaving that experience and I kind of was just like, you know, I was going through being a first time mom, black mom on top of that, working full time fail relate. I mean not really fail but coming to the coming to grips that I was connected to a person that you know it the connection wasn't really healthy it was very toxic and it was very damaging to, to me on many levels um especially spiritually um I would say I was in a space where I was spiritually dead where I was you know fighting these battles um being in an all-white space predominantly white space and you know showing up in my blackness but being ex- it's like something it's like some kind of fatigue that i was experiencing like on a day daily basis and i didn't really have the language to describe it so the book was kind of conceived you know i was laid off on 11 11 2015 november 11 2015 and i always tell the story like it was a full moon it was really, like, I was just, like, I, I put a I, I picture. You know how Facebook shows those memories? Mm-hmm. My picture keeps popping up of, like, my last day and just me. I remember signing the papers, and I remember, like, walking out and literally feeling like this, like, damn, like, I'm free again. Mm-hmm. Like, I have just been liberated, and I don't, I don't want to go back. And so that day I kind of just, just a lot of breakthroughs started to happen, you know, full moon time is really just like releasing energy and really just uh, for creatives or for people who, you know, function in that space. It's like, wow, I'm supposed to be doing all these things. Or this is like, this is when you get like your project ideas and when you, you know, start to purge and get all these thoughts and ideas out. So I just literally was like, fuck this shit. Like I am done. I'm done wearing this mask and I'm not and I'm not going to pretend anymore. Um, Like, yes, I am a strong black woman. I've always been. There's no doubt about that, that I can withstand some things that, you know, that many people can't. Like, I know that on a physical. I mean, clearly, like natural birth, physical level, like mental level, spiritual level, all that. So I just got into a space where I was like, you know, I sat in my car. It was raining very hard just pouring down and I was just like yeah I'm I'm not I'm not gonna lie about this anymore I'm not gonna sugarcoat it this is exactly what I'm going through and like the, the thought of depression had crossed my mind at that moment because I finally had time to sit and feel and just be like yo this has been really like messed up like I have not been well for months now And, but, but because I had stuff to do and because life kept happening and because, you know, my work was very, um, demanding, I kind of was just like, you know, let's grind this out. Let's get this project done. Let's do this. Let's fucking hide in the, you know, space in the, in the work area. Hope no, no one talks to me. It was like really bad. Like, I swear I spent so much time in the pump room, like people probably didn't even know I worked there because I was like, I just cannot Mm. deal with people (laughs) like Um, so I just was like, you know, I'm writing a book and something just popped in my head. Like you have a master's degree, like you've been to college, like you went to Carlson college. Like you, you, you can, you can describe what you're going through or share your story in a way that's going to be very impactful. So I decided that I was going to write that book, but what shifted at, at that night, I thought I was going to write a book just about myself and my experience. And the universe was like, no, 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 no. Like that's too easy because then you're only one story and you're only one narrative. And like, yes, that will impact lives, but like, let's dig deeper. And then this idea just came to write my story and to share them, share my story with other women. But my entry point was, you know, basically, hey, I want to talk about this really tough topic. I don't really have the language, but I have this lived experience. I'm trying to make sense of it. Then at that time, I had, I'm like, I already been to a therapist. Um, and she was like, oh, so what's your experience? Very normal. It's postpartum depression. Like, it's not, it's like a thing, you know. And race does not exclude you from that, you know, because you're a human. So on a physiological level, you're going to experience that um so i just wrote my story and i shared it and i started getting these visions of like all of these women so the first book all of the women i'm connected to them in some way i knew them some way you know my auntie's in there my cousin Mm -hmm. is in there my stepsister uh, my best friend from college it's just i got this this vision of all of these women who i knew and I knew they were going. You know how you know, like, you see people's status issues. You're like, damn, they're really going through some shit right now. Or, like, they're really processing something. But life happens. You're busy. You, do you really want to ask them how they're really doing? Mm-hmm. Do you really have time to sit down and listen? And my theme, how I framed the project was, you know, hey, I wrote my story. This is the language that I'm kind of playing with. You know, this strong black woman complex unpacking that, mothering, being black, and then... Basically, my question was one, I want you to read it Two: I set up interviews or like conversations and literally just like I would do like one a day and whatever, you know, I was on I was on unemployment. I was I had just got released from Teach for America. So I kind of was like, I'm just going to use this time to like really get this out of my system. And so and I started to ask them, you know, give me a response to how you feel about my piece. What things came up for you? What emotions? And then, you know, two, it was like three things. Two was like, what is the strong black superwoman complex a thing or did I just make that up in my head? And then three, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? Because most people, I feel like we get in the habit of saying you know how are you doing and you'd be like and you'd be like oh i'm good you know mm-hmm. same old same old working and then it doesn't give you any information about like logistically where are you like mind body spirit soul where are you and then as a person who cares about you like i don't have any insight into like how to help you or how to heal you so that question just alone, like, how are you doing? And then, like, how are you really doing? Just opened up doors. Um, and then they had my narrative where I was being completely transparent and where I was like, look, like, I know I've been holding up this image, you know, for years, um, but I'm not okay. Like, I, I feel off balance. I feel unconnected, um, disconnected, and... That's pretty much, you know, and I never expected at first I expected, people, you know, because the re- response was when I would tell people how I was how it was really You know, I was kind of hinting at. I think I might be, you know, something's not off. They'll be like, but you're so strong and you've been through all of mm. this and you've handled all of these things. And they will give me my track record of everything that I had overcome. So in my mind, I'm like, damn, so I don't you you know, it's not OK for me to be vulnerable and share my feelings. Right. Because you equate that to weakness, and black women aren't weak. So it didn't make sense to people. Um, So really just saying, like, yo, you can be super strong. And and actually, I'm trying to change the narrative that strong is admitting when you are feeling weak and when you're feeling like you need support. Because, I mean, you can be strong to the point where you break yourself and be weak. And, I mean... In in all honesty, like be at a space where like you take your life or where you're taught, you know, you're like, hey, I, or you go, you you know, get shipped off to crazy house or something. And um, so really just saying like, yeah, you have to be conscious of that. And that's OK.
1: One, one of the sections it's a, and, and you just kind of talked about this. You said you're the epitome of strong black women because you have chosen to challenge the very archetype. Yeah, And I wanted to connect yeah. it to something you just mentioned, which mm-hmm. was like, you talked about sitting in that car and feeling spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. How has community been the thing, mm-hmm. if it has, to yeah. fill that, that spiritual glass?
2: Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. Um, so, I mean, African people are very connecting people and we're feeling people. Mm-hmm. You know, in most African countries or most villages or traditions... They, ask, they don't ask how you are doing, they ask how you're feeling, and they don't say, um, they say, you know, I'm glad you're here, or um, I feel, you know, the hood saying, the translation in urban, you know, culture, or um, it's kind of like, you know, what's up, mm-hmm. like, I, or you say something that's real, you're like, oh, I feel, I feel that, like, I feel you, and um, so I think challenging, so we got to remember historically, I mean, where we are, peculiar, you know, institution moving from chattel slavery um, that was NATO alienation, the stripping down, the, the, you know, the re-teaching about who we are. And so we have people who are coming from that space and then we have these historical archetypes that were created to, to, to keep the machine running. You know, the strong black woman was created out of necessity. Mm -hmm. It was a position that was given or bestowed upon us because we were, no matter what happened to us, the black women were the glue, you know? So there were things that were done to us, I mean, that stripped us down to the point where the only way we could survive that is to disconnect spiritually. Like, you can't have fucked up shit happen to you on a day-to-day basis, you know, being raped, being molested, having children, having our children stripped away, Mm -hmm. wet nursing, you know, the master's children, watching our own children kind of, you know, want that or desire that and need that and coaching our children that our children had to come second. You have to. You can't be in a feeling place to survive. That you have to be disconnected. So the strong black superwoman archetype was created out of necessity. For the slave master created it so that he can he can um, his his chattel or his property, you know, can invest. He he's investing in them so that they can push out, right? Mm -hmm. So he's teaching them or priming them how to survive, quote unquote. And to be and to be able to deal with all this messed up shit. So, you know, when you put that into what we're experiencing now, that's exactly what's happening. You have black women who are very human and very have feelings, but we've, we've been primed to not feel because if I do, like it would be messed up for a lot of people and we don't have time. So the community aspect is just Reminding us the power of when we're gathering and when we're together and when we're um, uplifting and restoring and bringing light to each other, then then we are becoming healed. And a lot, I mean, the individualist society has taught us to away from community. uh, Everything that happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. There are all of these different languages and like sayings that we've been given. So it's really just, Saying like I know we've been taught this way, but if you really want like liberation and if you really want freedom within you know within the structure that we exist, then you have to you have to connect with others and gather with others and share your experiences because you if you hold them all in, although yeah, you're gonna keep pushing and you're gonna be disconnected, which is a coping mechanism, but you're gonna you're gonna suffer. So I've been connecting that and that those experiences to like metaphysical issues or things that are happening in the body and what it what it happens is it becomes disease or sickness or mental health issues however it shows up for people mm-hmm. so um, by challenging that narrative what we're saying is that again we are human and You know, I've had I've had some really interesting conversations with Mm -hmm. elders in the community and, you know, older women who this is all they know, like being strong, being the black superwoman, strong, independent black woman is all they know. So it feels, you know, like like they've been betrayed their whole life or something and they don't want to accept that it's okay for you to be human, you know. It's okay, um, cause I say, you know, I'm a recovering superwoman. Shit, when when I have boundaries, I have limits. I take off my cape proudly um, in order to to sustain myself, and I don't care who 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 thinks what about it. Like, no is a complete answer. I'm not trying to save everybody today. If I don't have energy or the capacity, I'm not doing it. And. That's just how, if I'm gonna be a healer and do this work in the light, the light working and the the changing and transformation, I cannot burn out. Like, then I'm no good to anybody. First and foremost, my child and my home. So, that's where I draw the line. Like, it's all about community and it's all about uplifting and growing, but it is hard work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you just, you know, beautifully described you know the catch-22 of yes. the individual
2: yeah.
0: and the community and like that you know mothering is so specific to your life mm-hmm. I could be wrong but correct me if I'm wrong mothering is so specific to your life that it's not like anyone else's mothering mm-hmm. and yet where does that pain and struggle and the beauty mm-hmm. interweave as you grow your relationships with other revolutionary mothers
2: um the reality is like we're all vessels and we have we have life experiences that have shaded or um created our filter so my experience is going to be different my priorities are going to be different but I think what we all agree upon is like as mothers like we have the duty um to build and serve, and to, to, to make children um, and put them out into the world that we believe are going to impact change. So I think you know really encouraging people to dig deep, um, discover their family histories and their patterns, and then agreeing to 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 contribute to revolution and like liberation in a way. That is going to push us forward um so i think that's what it is like just getting people to to talk about that and then regrounding. you know there again so many messages so much propaganda so much all oh, just all type of stuff where it's like at the end of the day that's a form of control and that is like if you choose to go that way and allow it to to dictate how you live Then, what you're doing is hand, it's just like handing over your child to the same system that kind of just messed everybody up. So, and you gotta be sick to do that. Like, post traumatic slave syndrome is real. You have to be super sick to create life, bring life into this world, and then. Be disconnected, it's, it's back to the slavery thing, be disconnected from that child because, you know, if I care about that child too much or if I'm too attached, when they strip it away or when they take it or when they send, you know, my child to the next plantation and I can't, I can't protect them anymore, I can't, you know, um, create these barriers around them you know, that's what we're dealing with of like relearning what it means to be connected to like the creator and life force in a way that's saying over my dead body, like this one, like, I don't know about all the other children, but I mean, and I'm, and I'm, I'll fight on the front lines for all the children, but I'm saying this one right here, like she, you can't have her, you know what I'm saying? And, and, if you want her in that way, like, you got to go through me mm-hmm. and willing to
0: mm-hmm.
2: use whatever weapons, whatever weapons to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: <laughs>
1: and do you find yourself, like, is there still something appealing where it's like, oh, man, I kind of just want to, like, go right, I, like, even though I've taken the mask off, as you said, and I've taken the cape off, is there ever that struggle or that scariness of like, I need to put, oh shit, I need to get my cape back on right now.
2: The deal is that I have a duty to to contribute um, to liberation. So I take my breaks. Um, one of my mentors or like one of, one of my partners actually, he's like kind of like one of my partners, but my mentor, but mm. he kind of has this saying where it's like rest, but don't quit. Mm. Um, and I think that's what, I have taken on as my mentality it's okay for me to rest. However, like if some shit the best way I could describe it is like some shit goes down, <laughs> I have to I either I watch us all sink mm-hmm. or be drowned or I I pick that shit up and keep fighting, you know? Um, and what's, what's beautiful about it is I get to decide that, What I'm saying is that you get to decide But it's also a sad Aspect of that is like To some extent I get to decide But I know if I don't participate What the outcome is So then it's like I can decide Not to put the cape back on and not to fight And I can watch all of us burn yeah. Or I can rest a little bit take my I call it take my naps Or take you know, take my personal space and then I can continue doing what I have to do. So there is a struggle. Um, I think I've gotten to... The, and this has come. This question has come up a lot with, um, you know, the black love topic and me speaking out against abuse and abusive behavior, me being connected to a black man that was very abusive and very toxic, I created a child with. But to say, I'm not a martyr. Like, like I love... Black men, I love black families, but the, the, the way that I've been coached to endure until I break for the sake of black love, that, that doesn't exist anymore. Like, it's a fine, like, beautiful combination of, like, mm, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> that's how the best way I could describe it. Like, you know, yeah, that's a good point, but no, I'm not willing. I'm not willing to do that. Because I got to the point where I did that to the point where I almost broke, you know? Like, I almost literally did not want to live, did not want to be here anymore. So to say, like, I can be about black love, but I'm not about the toxic, abusive shit. And, and that's it, you know? And then a lot of, and, and being able to, again, you know, that, that has to take a lot of, like, masculine energy for me to function like that. But to say like that's okay for me to be able to be super divine, feminine goddess, like fucking magical, and to be like like I will fuck you up, like if I have to.
0: Yo, (laughs) listeners, whatever the timeline in this podcast is, look at the timestamp and save it or bookmark it or screenshot it. And know that Jasmine just gave you an- <laughs> Jasmine just gave you an affirmation. You can interpret it how you want to, but it's pretty clear.
3: Yeah. And the
0: affirmation goes, and I quote, <laughs> mm, yeah.
3: Nah. No, fuck, that's-
2: <laughs> <laughs> best thing ever.
0: Um, so <laughs> part of part of what you present so remarkably with your online presence. Is the celebration of what's been taboo or offensive in society? Mm-hmm. So talk about. We'll just start with one. Talk about hashtag My Chocolate Milk Monday, yeah. and the community that's arisen there. I remember a photo you posted once of a woman. Just one example is, you know, she was nursing in a park, and, and the caption read, "This is Mama nursing in peace, and she wishes someone would say something." Yeah. You know.
2: So what is what
0: is uplifting about? Uh, my chocolate milk Monday. What has that done for you?
2: Um. So I kind of touched on it. We have this like messed up history, you know, slavery. Then we have wet nursing, and then we have this whole epidemic of you know black women getting getting uh, coerced or coached into providing less than what our children deserve. Um, the Creator has made the the female body. Um, woman body in a very you know precious way that allows us to sustain life and um, we've been so far removed from that and so far removed from mothering the aspect of mothering I mean we could get deep somebody might not like this but when we talk about feminism shit <laughs> uh, you know feminism I respect it but to some extent like there is an undertone of yeah disconnect from all of the titles and I get it like hey this is my body my choice my everything and um you know we deserve to be people like I get that at the heart of who I am what I don't understand is the disconnection from the art of mothering and the art of um the privilege of mothering and so when I say, so when you're taking something that's taboo, chocolate milk, and you're saying black women, and then, you know, nursing, breastfeeding has never been associated with black chocolate milk, anything. And then you have women, what I'm doing is, on an intellectual level, separating us and saying that, like, you have melanin th- flowing through your body, like, you have a divine connection to our spiritual ancestors and a, just a way of functioning that has sustained life for thousands of years and so many civilizations. And when you return to that, then that is going to be a direct f- reflection of um, how you, I guess, how you are perceived, right? There's one thing to do, go into it passively and to just do, you know, what I'm saying, you know, give your child this bullshit. These, I don't vaccinate my child. I don't give her certain things, um had breastfed her till she was three, there are certain things that my child will not experience because of that. Um, you know, I'm conspiracy theorist too. Formula, they're pushing formula, fucking sugar and all this shit. You got ADHD and um, obesity and all these ish, asthma, you know, allergies, things where it's like naturally if you breastfeed, your body builds up these enzymes and the, these um, anode, like the-, the these enzymes and like hormones and all type of things that's protecting your child from that. So my chocolate milk Monday and our chocolate milk revolution is revolutionary. It's just about that. Restoring back to roots saying that you cannot have this child. It is a revolutionary act that I will sit here and I will nurse my child any fucking where in front of anybody because I have the right to do it. Um, And many women don't even know that that's like, that's okay. You can fuck, you could pull your breast out anywhere and nurse your child.
0: And it makes the headlines, like public breastfeeding, public nursing. It makes the headlines with some um, white woman celebrity doing it. Yeah. And here you have a whole movement of it yes. that you're part of that's, you know, revolutionary. And it's just
2: and Yes, yes, and... You're
0: doing a lot of work mm-hmm. just around that very thing. Yeah. Actual and I, work.
2: And I think that is along with the propaganda of, you know, I had a question one of when I was... A, doing something for a conference and one of the questions was basically like when was your first encounter or experience with uh with nursing i had to dig like really deep and my only my only connection was seeing pictures of women in africa shirtless nursing their children but it was like this global disconnect right like i know mm. we're connected like that's my sister i know that but because she is a part of the diaspora and she is a You know, from the motherland, she is something about myself that doesn't feel I'm on her level. So it was something that black women, African women in Africa did and white women did. You know, we just do similac and infamil. You know, that was my thing growing up. So it's really just saying like, no, black women have been doing this shit for the beginning, since the beginning of time. And we actually nursed some of of y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. some of your people have been sustained off of our milk because we knew, I mean, with the power of herbs mm-hmm. and the power of connecting to earth, we knew how to, this is what we knew how to do. Like white women were getting to the point where they didn't know they were having these babies and they didn't know how to lactate and they didn't know how to sustain their milk supply because their diets, is fucking, it's just, it wasn't good. Um, and then like, you know, what they were putting in their bodies wasn't good. So that is super powerful to say like no this is not it's you know all this the crunchy movement the you know attachment parenting stuff and these stuff it's all stuff that we've done but and done for years but it takes one white person to say it and it's like oh my god you have something that is like out of this world like Bitch, like we've been doing this forever. Like, just, you know, some women come. So I've had white women like come and try to patronize me, and I'm just looking at you like, do you know who I am? Like, my people, I knew how to do this naturally. Nothing. My by birth, my baby naturally, she comes out. She knows exactly how to crawl. Like, a newborn baby will crawl to their mother's breast without, you don't even have, you could just lay the baby on the mom's stomach. And just have her there and have the baby there. And the baby will crawl to mom's chest and nurse. You don't need a fucking lactation consultant. You don't need a high-profile midwife or anybody. Like, that is natural. So, I think it's just everyday women, black women. Um, And I've actually had some pretty cool shares of, like, kind of semi-famous people that, like, have sent me pictures, which has been kind of dope. But just to have them say like, no, we're reclaiming, we're reclaiming, don't patronize me because you learn how to do this from us. Yeah, it's like, it's not that hard. I think, I'm I'm just on this journey, um, just being called and used to do things. This biggest thing has just been like, reconnection to like our wombs and the physical space of that and the spiritual space of that and um, restoring and healing from that, from the inside in, the outside out. Um, and, you know, so I'm a Yoni steam facilitator. I like it's like I talk about breastfeeding and birthing and like vaginas all the time. Like, that's what I do. Um, so that's pretty much where I'm where I'm at of like holistic healing, coupling that with like care radical. I really don't like this term radical self-care cuz i think it's just like it's not mm. fucking radical like take care of yourself like you're human like mm. sustain yourself if you want your body to function or if you want to be here for some years don't dog it out and take care of it so really just getting on this self of like healing your mind and healing your womb and healing your body um for brothers too just like healing healing you know making sure that the energy that you pass is good yeah yeah,
0: yeah. I mean i think we're all buried under all that we don't understand yeah and we have to dig ourselves out in order to evolve and to survive yeah. some with poetry some with writing a book some with music all kinds of art yeah like what tool best suits that exploration for you
2: hmm.
0: getting that up from out of what oppression likes to bury us in you
2: know um it's just the power of writing your own story and your own narrative um very transformational of you saying you know we all been handed a narrative of who we are based on where we live where we grew up who our parents were what their experience was it's basically a transformational like revolutionary act to say you know what um no um nah (laughs) it's like no uh uh-uh. You've been telling me this story about myself for way too long Tired of hearing it, it's not true I know it's not true, every fiber in my being is telling me it's not true um, James Baldwin had a, a quote, I'm probably going to mess it up But it's basically like, you believe that you're a nigger Because you've allowed people to tell you who you are You're only going to be who you allow people to tell you you are and that's just a paraphrase, but that's pretty much James Baldwin's pretty dope in that aspect. So it's really just like, no, nope, this, this is who I am. This is my story. I know what I've been through. And because of what I've been through, you won't write the ending for me. I'm going to take the pen back and I'm going to write it myself. And then I would say so that the power of the narrative of uh, shifting your tra- trajectory, shifting the paradigm and saying that, you know, I'm not who you think I am. Um, I do a lot of like with my social, social media, like a lot of pushing um, people to think of like, okay, you think because I'm a mom, I can't have 10 tattoos or I can't listen to rap music or I can't, you know, do all these things, but it's like, I'm doing it and I'm a damn good mom. And I'm probably a better mom than than you who's like living in this little box and allowing people to determine who you are. Um. And just really not, I mean, it's not that I don't care, it's that I don't stress and I don't have anxiety over it anymore. It's just like, this is what it is. I know it's weird to you. Like, you know, it's so many contradictions. Like I'm in a all Christian black sorority, but I practice African spirituality. People are like, how the hell? I'm like, because I know who I am and I know who influenced that sorority culture. And on the surface level, you just look at the Greek, the letters and you think that it's just that simple on a on a deeper level i know who taught the greeks i know how this process worked and i know why black sororities were created so it's just thinking from that standpoint like i have a my father is a Baptist preacher you know like um in mississippi and i listen to gospel music i could go in a church and i could be outside the church you know i could just i could just be in so many different spaces. So that, and I think the art of um, really defining for yourself what liberation is. What does it mean to you? Are you ready for it? Are you prepared for it? Um, when you get it, if you get it, how does that make you feel? Um, and really just talking about that, this teaching about that. And I think the other example of like, this. You determining who you are, not letting anybody impact that. That is a form of liberation. You you cannot nothing you could say about me will shift how I feel about myself because I know myself.
0: Like deciding who you are, right? Like
2: and working through that, right? Right.
0: That was a decision. Mm -hmm. I'm an author. Mm Mm-hmm. Before you even wrote the book,
2: right. And that one took me a while to get, get to accept. I was just yeah. like, no, nah, I just had a story and I just wrote it down, <laughs>
1: you
2: yeah. know, like, because again, that's another title. It's another box. Yeah. Our authors behave this way. We do this way. You know, when I do my live yeah. videos, I drop a few curse words. I have all of yeah. the people who are watching me and following me, the older people like can't, you know, politically correctness. And I'm like, look, that's not me.
0: I feel you. And you know what I'm saying? I feel like, you. Cause like people be like you're a writer. I'm like, For a long time, I was like, I'm just a guy who writes. Right, right, right. Don't call me a
2: writer. Right, because then it's like, you know, and I remember some of my followers, like, they'll send me messages and I, like, I legit respond. And they'll be like, what? Oh, my God. I can't believe you respond. Like, you wrote a book. And I'm like, I want to say, like, I, I live right in North Minneapolis on Broadway. Like, I'm in the hood. I'm, I go to CUB, you know, I, <laughs> I am a person. And to take that away, because so many people, you know, like my master's in education, so many people are like, oh, you're up here. It's like, no, I chose to be a part of this bullshit ass system. I chose to, to get, pay all this money to get this paper so I can, you still know, you still be me um, and really say like that doesn't matter. I can have conversations with like people my mom is kind of fascinated, but I can go to a establishment. I will treat the janitor the same way that I treat the owner of the store. I will interact with the janitor. I will interact with the homeless people standing outside, the manager, anybody. And I will be able to connect with each one of those people, no matter what my title is. Um, Cause I think that's the power of being, and that's the power of again, challenging the system. you know. We got black excellence going on, where it's like black excellence can not only just be those of us who have been the talented tenth, who've decided or been, who've had access to higher education. It has to be fucking Kiki on the block and little Juju or whoever. Like everybody is black excellence, and it, how it shows up might not be how we think it is. But mm-hmm. then thinking about people like oh like she has these skills but because she hasn't played this role or like not been able to navigate this system her skills or her talents aren't valued it's like little you know little rico that's the drug dealer like he's a fucking entrepreneur he's brilliant he has to figure out this whole formula about how to make his money stretch and in his investment and no it's not ideal like you know is some toxic stuff to that but that is a level of genius that has come naturally to him without any influence from any system yeah. that's just who the fuck he is or who he has learned to be
0: and he's judged harshly mm-hmm. when we don't apply a lens of compassion
2: yeah 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 it's deep man deep
1: how you know there's clearly there, there's there's a There's all the toxic systems that are wrapped up in the education system Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, your journey to get that master's of education, get that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. How has those same things infected the whole system of going through birth, right? Like how have we suddenly, you know, those systems have co-opted becoming a midwife, becoming a doula.
2: That is a wonderful, very deep question. Um, the way, so I took a class called um, Pregnancy and Postpartum Herbs, the Southern tradi- Tradition, um, Grandmother's Hands, it was called. And in that, one of our areas or topics of studies was the Black Granny Midwife. And this was a woman who had a high level of respect in the community, who had been apprenticed in to the art of supporting birth. And in those, um, it was called something about something about the veil. I can't remember. Something about taking off the veil or beyond the veil or something. Mm-hmm. And the granny midwives talked about how um, they have been chosen to do this work on a spiritual level. They didn't need to go to any high institution to instruct them. They focus on their relationship with the creator and spirit, which African people, spirit is what, and not just African people, many indigenous traditional like cultures and ways of being has always been like knowing of self and knowing of spirit, knowing that I'm a reflection of spirit. So therefore, when I move and when I do my thing, I know that I'm covered. So you have all of these women in these stories who've been catching catching babies for years. They haven't lost any baby. They have no no training. They just have know what to do. And intuitively, they know the art of the woman's body. They know the art of birthing. And when they feel fear that they are inferior, they call on the creator and say, you know, let your will be done. And it's not even a religious thing. It's more of a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the women did give you know, they, they talked about God and they talked about Christ in a way that made sense to them because that was the language that had been given to them. But what they're really describing, what a lot of people are describing when they talk about God and Christ or whatever, is they're talking about connection to, like, the Creator, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you believe God is within you, then you don't go outside of yourself for the answers. So... The high profile midwife, the doula, I mean, I'm fighting it too. Like I'm not, I'm not technically a lactation consultant and there's all, you know, there's so many people in that community who are like, you can't do this. I said, look, um, look, my, my outcomes for nursing and duration are probably higher than yours in any, any capacity because I meet women where they are and I coach them in a way that's relatable, that all I do is have women believe back in themselves you don't do that. <laughs> you 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 tell them how to be, and that takes away their magic. So mm. they stop, and they can their milk dries up. So high. I'm, what I'm saying about like these high profile women are capable of birthing at home alone with their family. If you're a healthy woman, you have no medical condition. You've had other live births. Um, you've come to terms um, in your birthing process. You you know are taking care of yourself. You could birth at home, and you could catch, and your partner can catch your baby. You don't need all of those other things. And I resp- I support midwives wholeheartedly. I w- I want all women to have access to a midwife that they feel comfortable with and care. However, that is an option. It's not a necessity. So really just talking about how birthing is a natural-ass process. Way back in the day, we didn't we didn't even have hospitals. Mm-hmm. We didn't have doctors. We didn't have midwives. We had community people and village people that have been cha- trained and passed down wisdom about how to birth. And you yeah. have women who went right outside and birthed their babies in mm-hmm. the woods, in the water. You know, there are many traditions of, like, how birthing happens. Like, they're there's just like we do this. So, um, you know, then when you, you know, again, you got white women who've taken over shit and made it into a career and then have placed these parameters around who can and can't be. You place the testing on us and you place all of these things on us. That's that's. um. It's about regurgitating, it's not about skill and it's not about art um mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like I said, I went to Carlton College. I sat in a room with a bunch of with a bunch of white rich people who paid thousands of dollars to to think on a level that was like sub so and what i what i how I thought, and I'm like, um. So I just don't agree with like the, I agree we do have to have the professions, but I don't agree with the ways that it go, that we go about it because then it's the same thing. It's just Jim Crow, slavery by another name, whatever you want to call it. Kind of like, let me pick all these things to tell you why you're not good enough and why you can't do it. But really the fear is I know you're good and I know that you could do it better than me. So I'm going to. I'm going to place these policies around you that make it dangerous for you to do it. Mm. And if you do, you could be sued and all Mm. this stuff, you know? So it's just one of those things where it's like, I mean, even with teaching, I was like, my outcomes are going to be better. They're just going to be better. Like, cause I am African and I feel the kids and I don't have, and I, they see me as a reflection of them, which is going to awaken something in them that is way more deep seated than any lesson plan I could ever write, you know? So it's with that, you know, I've had nurses come in, like, how did you get, you know, the baby to turn around? Or how did you get her to open up? And it's like, I looked at her and I said, I'm a reflection of you. And when you don't have the strength to do it, you look at me and I'll give you, I'll help you. I'll give you the strength, you know? You can't do that when you're telling me coming in and you're like, blood pressure's high, your baby's heart rate is this. You're like, shut up, like, just be quiet, like chill. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, I've, I just—it just seems so fucked. Like capitalism will make a dime off everything, of anything, right? Like,
2: right. It's so you on shit, boy. Like, <laughs> like yo, yo. I was looking at someone's like bill. I swear. For one, for like two ibuprofen pills, it was three hundred dollars. I was like, what? How, nigga? And I, just I, threw his notebook. <laughs> I'm like, I will bring my own. If I choose to use ibuprofen, I will bring my own <laughs> for three ninety eight.
1: A whole, a, a whole bottle. bottle. <laughs> and capitalism and and white supremacy will take natural knowledge, and tell you that you can't listen to yourself with it, and they'll put oh it, yeah they'll put it somewhere that you gotta you gotta apply to this and you yeah. gotta spend five thousand dollars to go here, and the fact that it does that with birth is is disgusting and disturbing and it's
2: even more disgusting when you see it in action Mm. when you see the logistics of the business the baby business um the hospital business the sick house um when you see the logistics of it you're like wow like you have this created this system that has just just like made you feel like you can control everything about anything it's like just people trying to play god you know like (laughs) like hospitals where you can't come in and tell i've heard crazy shit like you know if you don't if you don't get to this centimeter by this time we're gonna have to give you a c-section would be like wait a minute no you won't you will not give her a c-section because you need to that it's just i have crazy fights like this is problematic. And I'm like, you know, the birthing process is really natural. We really don't have to do anything. We're just sitting here. And we're waiting. It doesn't happen on your time because that's a controlling thing. And again, mm-hmm. links mm-hmm. back to inferiority. Like, I you have to have atypical people. And a lot of teachers are like this, too. But teachers, um, uh, medical professionals, doctors, they play. They want to play God without being connected to god in this in, in a certain sense or not connected on the spiritual level and mm-hmm. then you want to just control every aspect of a process that's natural we don't need we don't even need you in here if there's a medical emergency we'll we hit the red button and you come mm-hmm. and save the life like that's it that's that's your job like a medical emergency birthing is not a medical emergency unless some shit takes a twist and you need a medical professional that's it like otherwise you chill and you realize that i think it's like their adrenaline gets rushed and they want to cut they want to cut us like that's the thing um you want to cut black women and you want to mm. chop them it's a chop shop yeah. and um you know i have doctors who i have to tell like to some doctors i have to say you know all right your shift ends at six o'clock this baby might not be on your shift and that's okay you could come back tomorrow and visit that's it it won't be on your shift because you will not cut her to 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 make it convenient for you and your and your building and your pushback and you know it's just it's just twisted you got and then you put formula on top of that and um, it's just horrible and it's just like no 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 this is not how it's gonna go Mm, nah
0: (laughs) hashtag fist up breast out
2: (laughs) hey it's my favorite one
0: I love it um (laughs) When is this work most fun?
2: When I piss people off. (laughs) Fist up, breast out. It is... I mean, just think about this. Just think of a woman, you being like, oh, put your breast up. Why you can't nurse your baby? And me just popping out my breast and being like, nigga, I am nursing this child right now. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I've had to have moments where I have this look, the look, like... I was I was sharing one story where I was like I was in I was in the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. Maya had to be about like nine months and I had these two white boys walk past me and tell me how disgusting I am. So I nursed even more openly, just whatever. And I said, Who the fuck are you talking to? And I looked at him and I said, Maybe if your mom would have nursed your ignorant ass, you wouldn't have those feelings. And I said, I dare you to say it again. And I'm nursing my, I'm literally nursing my mm. child. Yeah. And I stood up and I said, and I so part of me can't even believe I did that. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I had the rap on, I would, it would have just been really bad, but something about that act of like doing and saying what you didn't expect me to say brings you down. And so I think that's my the best part and like I don't go into it egotistical I don't yeah. want to fight like I literally want to be at peace and nurse my child I don't I mean and, and really let's be honest like it's, it is awkward and how many of us really want to pop out our breast in public like that's I mean that's not I don't leave my house with my child like oh I can't wait to who I could show my breast today um <laughs> you know I I'm just like it's a part of is just a part of like the the, the natural movement of my life. So mm. women mm. really don't want to do that. Mm. We feel like we have to do that and we know that the stakes are high. So we're willing to do that and we're willing to be uncomfortable and we're willing to push past. You know, there's so much that a woman is pushing past when she's nursing in public. And that's why I tell women, you can send me your pictures however. I don't care if your shirt is completely off. I don't care if you choose to to cover your child. I don't I don't care. Whatever is comfortable for you. And I've been in many spaces where I've had to, um, I've had to walk a woman through that. Like mm. your child's fussy right now. Can I hold your drink? Can I hold your bag? What can I do to make you feel comfortable and nurse your child? And I've had to like get in the zone with a woman like, it's motherfuckers looking they don't know what's going on you know they weren't breastfed they don't know so just sit and look at your child and don't worry about anything else and get in your zone and that and that decreases their anxiety and that helps them know that you're not doing anything wrong it's not anything to shame you're not dirty you're not disgusting you're not perverted you are doing what's natural and that's okay because then if she gets anxiety, a lot of women's milk dries up because they go through the stress of public nursing. Mm. They don't want to nurse the child in public. But when you don't do it, your body is telling your your yourself that you don't need the milk. So mm. you're going to just dry up. So if you really want to nurse your child, you got to. Nothing else matters. Mm. Nothing else matters. I've, I've nursed my child in some crazy places. Mm. I, 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 I've signed a lease to an apartment in an apartment building when my child latched to me. And I, it was a white guy and he was so uncomfortable. And I just looked, I was just looking him in his eyes like, yeah, mm-hmm, what you want me to sign here? Mm-hmm. And he's just like shitting himself. Like, I <laughs> cannot believe this is happening. And I just just, I just talked to him like it was normal. Like, it is OK. It is a black breast out here. Um, and that's OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically the whole journey is like healing self, healing child, healing those that come before us and like making it OK to be human so i'm trying to break this cycle so i'll read a little bit about just you know my story and what i believe motherhood is Mm -hmm. for black women um it says conscious and compassionate parenting is like putting a mirror up to yourself and looking deeply into your own soul to see your imperfections i wholeheartedly believe how we treat our children is subconsciously a direct reflection of how we see and treat ourselves Pregnancy and birth is a divine process by which the child passes through the womb that serves as a spiritual gateway between the spirit and physical worlds. Because as we are magnificently and wonderfully made, the creator designed the womb to take on the DNA of our children during this process. Not only do we take on their DNA, which remains in our wombs, they take on ours and and, and carry our past traumas with them. We are forever changed. Seen in this way, our children are a reflection in the image of us as well as all of those ancestors who have come before us. When I find myself mothering in a way that I am ashamed of, I have to dig deep into the crevices of my soul and do some serious re- restoration and healing of self because I know that I am unconscious, unconsciously <laughs> um mothering my daughter in a way that imitates my feelings towards myself she is because i am mm. motherhood is a sp- is spiritual work and when we need spiritual work to build a relationship with ourselves you notice it through the relationships you have with your children and others do you see them do you feel them are you compassionate Pain and suffering that is not worked through and given the proper attention will create an environment where your self-hatred will unconsciously, I cannot say that word today, unconsciously fester and that unfelt pain will be passed on to your children and loved ones. Unfortunately, I had to learn this lesson the hard way. So just really about, you know, you know. Modeling how we want our children to interact and saying that our behaviors towards others is just really how we feel about ourselves. Mm.
1: Thank you for sharing that.
2: Yes, I
0: How do you balance cynicism and hope?
2: Mm, I think cynicism is a lower vibration feeling emotion. I don't know how to call it. Is it an emotion or a feeling? One of those. I think it's a lower vibration. Um, again, if we go and hope, what hope forces us to do or encourages us to do is to believe in the possibility that there can be better. Um, which means that you have to think and manifest it. So I balance it by spending more time on the hope and the optimism because I know that it's what I make it. You know, I'm not gonna obsess about Things I can't change. I'm not gonna um, judge myself in a way that's that's destructive. So I balance it by just focusing on manifesting in what I think, and re- reprogramming myself. You know, now I'm at the point I have a really like messed up thought that comes. I'm like, no, that's bullshit. Like this is really the way that you need to go because this is the this is the way. Um, so really just not letting people to play mind games with mm. me anymore.
1: What are you tired of hearing?
2: What oh, I'm tired of hearing. Is this really a race thing? <laughs> Sometimes I just like, yo, I, it's one one I that now that's really one I have to work on because I'm like, clearly. You know this has everything to do about with race. Um, but I'm going to let you have your moment. I'm going to let you live in this life fantasy world where you just want to justify every single horrible thing that has happened to black people. Um, I'm going to let you live in that. But we all know that if that person was not of melanated skin, this would not be an issue. Um, Everything. I mean, my mother's white, um, and we have an issue, too, like, everything. She can't can't really wrap her mind around race because, in her mind, like, I've dated black men since I've started dating. I have black children. I've lived in the hood my whole life. Um, In her mind, she's been discriminated against a lot, Um, and she thinks that people are racist against her. So, I think everything just is it's just the nature of where we are. Everything, there are so many biases and so many things that are like underlying issues that we can we continue. So I hate when white people say like, "Come on now, like let's let's be logical. Is this really a race thing?" Yeah, it is. And it's always going to be. Like that's just how it is. So yeah, I'm tired of hearing it.
0: <laughs> what do you want to say? To all the
2: mothers listening. I want to say that. um, You are more than enough. And. To remember to fill your cup first. Because if you don't. Everything that you pour. Is going to be. From an empty space. And not a space of abundance. So. um, To to dig deep and to get people around you that continue to restore you and fill your cup so that you can fill the cup of others. And um, that's the preservation, I guess, way of being. Um, I just see so many women who are just pulling from nothing, mm-hmm. and which means that they're not creating much and which means that the foundation that they're mothering on is um it's just not good so then we perpetuate the cycle and we see children who cannot live up to their potential because they haven't been nourished and watered and and coached to do that because our children are watching and no matter how much you tell them you know self-care matters taking care of yourself and then you don't do it they're not. They, our children don't really care too much about what we're saying. They care about what we're doing and what we're modeling. Mm. So you can, you can preach all you want, but unless you're living that life, your children, you won't see progress with them.
1: What art are you taking in that's recharging you, that, that's helping you?
2: Um, I have a village of people who now have poured into me I have gotten more um, connected to earth. Um, I, go, I go outside, I go to the water a lot. I do a lot of walking. I do a lot of laying in the park, laying by the water, um, just getting charged literally from the universe. Um, I'm an introvert so I have to take small pockets of people, short periods of time and people that I know new mm-hmm. being around new people is exhausting for me so a lot of people think you know again another title author you like to talk you like to talk about yourself i'm like no i actually don't i actually don't want to be here right now but <laughs> <laughs> but because i know this work is important i give of myself so that's what i i have to do i have to set boundaries around checking in with myself and asking myself what do i need um and i'm getting to the point where i'm asking others of what I need. And I think that's something that I'm working on more. I've had, you know, I share my story and it's a lot of messed up stuff that's happened um, over these past years, but people are always like, what can I do to help? You know? And I'm like, I honestly don't know because I'm used to, I can't, I don't know how to how I, like, distribute what I need help with because I'm just used to doing it all. So, um, I'm getting used to fighting that thought of like when they ask me, what can I do? I have this list of things, but in my mind, I'm checking off all the things that I know I could do mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, no, here's all the things based on your capacity or based on how you want to help and serve. Like, this is what I need mm-hmm. and you show up how whatever, and I'll be grateful for whatever support I get. Um, but stopping that Superman, you know, the Superwoman complex of like, yeah, I know, I know, I don't want to do all this. I know I can't do all this. It's kind of impossible, but I'm gonna try anyway. Now mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, let me think on it, and then I get back, and I'm like, I just, I just don't need to think about this thing. <laughs> like, can you help me with this thing?
0: Any, any music or hmm? any, any music or you know. Shows or books that's like got you got you on high a little bit lately?
2: Yeah, man, I'm a huge J Cole fan, like Mm -hmm. super duper duper. I'm talking. Your tickets? I got my ticket. (laughs) I did. Now, you know, I felt conflicted about that too, but I I was just messing with everybody that paid all that money for Beyonce, and then I was like, I was like, whatever this. Whatever the ticket costs, I was going to see. I'm not leaving this earth without seeing J. Cole live. Um, I've been following him for years. I mean, before he even called himself J. Cole, <laughs> when he had mixtapes. Um, so, J. Cole, um, I do a lot of reading. I'm really into um, Octavia Butler right now. mm mm-hmm and i just finished her book um wild seed a few days ago and that that book i mean it's it's african like futuristic scientific like it's really, it's just cool where where black people have these fuck like, these these powers um mm. so i love her work um i'm beginning to start Kendrick um soon cool um What's black your instagram yeah yeah my instagram is black lotus mother um there's RBG Colors with a a woman nursing her child. And um, then if you're interested in the book, you could just follow the page on Facebook, Mothering Through Pain and Suffering in Silence. And um, that'll give you a direct connection to myself um, all of the proceeds, 100 percent of the proceeds from the book go to Black Lotus Mothers, and that is a safe space that I've created um, for black women to come and gather either in physical space or online space or just connection to me to help them through Um so I'm done with the, like, begging for money and all of that in terms of, you know, grants and stuff. It's just kind of like, hey, we wrote these stories. We really need our community to invest in support. Mm-hmm. And um, when we invest in support, we have our own funds to do whatever, to ha- whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where it is.
0: Well, thank you so thank much. You yes, it's been yes. an honor to Join talk us. to you, Jasmine.
2: Yes. Peace. Peace.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine for sitting game. down with us and we uh, had a great time talking with you. Hope the listeners loved it. I know you loved it, right? Let us know. If you want to let us know, hit us up on social media. We're on Instagram at Weapon of Choice Podcast. Come on,
1: you know where to find us. Yeah, we're, we're
0: on Facebook at Weapon of Choice Podcast. You know, Twitter, we got to shorten it up. Twitter is at Weapon Choice Pod. And don't forget, we got an email for those who want to write at length, old school, old school, Even though it's electronic, this day's email is old school. So hit us up at WeaponOfChoiceFans at gmail.com. That's WeaponOfChoiceFans at gmail.com. Holler at us. We'd love to hear from you. We want
1: to know. What do we want to know? We want to know what art are you taking in that's recharging you, that's helping you move on. Come on. We're hearing about new things every day that we get riled up about. What's helping you keep going? What's helping you stay and What's helping you sustain yourself in these times? Let us know. Write that email. We want to know, and that's how that's how we find new people to interview as well. We love hearing from you and hearing from people about what art they're taking in and who we need to talk to to get on this show. So.
0: That's right. We've got an episode coming out uh, later this month with James Spooner, and we had Downtown Boys on our very first episode of Weapon of Choice podcast. Right. And, uh, Check it And someone who knows James reached out to us and emailed us after they heard Downtown Boys and said, you got to get them on the show, and we did. It took us about eight months to get out there to L.A. to interview them, but it was all worth the wait. And so we want to keep hearing from you, and if we're – if we can show up in any way and support uh, anything locally or nationally um, through any
1: means, cause we gotta keep taking action folks, let us know. That's right, reach out. And James Spooner will be a few episodes in the future, but our next episode is going to be with Robin DiAngelo. She coined the term white fragility. We sat down with her. It was a fantastic interview. That's gonna be next. It pulls no punches. So stay tuned for that, everyone. So, to play us out, we've got another tune from Dismembered and Unarmed. If you have not checked this album out, do so. It is incredible. What do we got for him, Tommy?
0: Today we've got You Got It parts one and two featuring Linus and so many more powerful artists just on this one song. Y'all got to know, listen to this song and remember to check out Dismembered and Unarmed, the album, the best compilation hip hop album of all time, period. Enjoy
3: Hold on tight, you got it. We will not be quiet. She cannot be silent. Never doubt your power. Better ask about her. You don't want no problems, now. Nah. Do you know who you? Oh, girl. Lady, you're regarded. Why you be pressing me? Why you be nagging me? do not you just back it up? I blow a bag and buy you a backboard. You're too possessive, angry, aggressive. Always stay mad at me. I am the baddest bitch. Only they savages. Them niggas challenged them, had to retaliate. I have this back, so I picked up the slack for him. though got too heavy. Now they call me masculine. Oh, you get, you must have been great. Anything you can do, I can too. You can't get nothing illogical. No, ain't no that is it's not possible. Get out of line, I slap the snot out of you Give up the drawers, you're a thought of a prostitute Constantly down on you Lack of confidence from doubting you You're valuable, girl, I'm so proud of you You're still smiling like the skies are bluest The skies are bruises, don't know how you do it Going through it, girl, you got the it. You're the truest, has more to offer than just making babies Told to sit down and act like a lady Stay in your place, where is that exactly? Not in the kitchen, cooking, cleaning the dishes Certainly not over your knee Watch the way that you're talking to me Damn it, all these double standards Praise the man against the panics No strings attached Pop that pussy Then the plan I I don't want it I won't claim it Bring the ass back We didn't plan it Who you been with? I can't stand you How you even know that I'm the dog? I'm tired you got it We were not Destiny, she was on the right path, that postpartum hit a hard with the right jab, stop answering the calls, doesn't write back, he was only interested in cutting, nice that, you know, a little nightcap, oh I hurt you girl, my bad, I thought you liked that, she just wants her life back, this is what happens when you break it down, you take the crown, she's taking down this over counter, got a guard up, out here wilding, acting childish, bashing and can't you see this she's scarred? She's been enduring with a broken heart. My God. There's so much damage, you're so demanded. Brought her closer than left is stranded. No closure, it's open-ended. dependent incoherent, can't compare and loose cannon. Can hardly manage, feeling famished. Wishing she could vanish, trying not to panic. Gotta get established, a little late in the game. Still gonna take a stab at it, in desperate need for change. I desire better for myself. that requires. For me to start asking for some help Taking baby steps Trying to do my best Been tested More than the rest Life ain't fair But I'm not upset Reminded every day I cannot forget Game's all in Conquered all this shit Hold on tight You got it You will not be quiet She cannot be silenced. Never
1: doubt your
3: power Better ask about it You don't want no problems now Do you know who you are, girl? Lady, you are a goddess yeah, i got it.